Are you getting a drop off today? Uh, no, my sister's going to do it tomorrow. Yeah, I got some nicotine, well, tobacco-free shit already, but I ain't got nothing to roll it in. Oh. Uh, I gotcha. What's up, Kyle Chaos? Not much here in order. Um, we're just thinking for this uh, show, uh, we should probably uh, concentrate mostly on the debate that happened on Wednesday with uh, Pence and uh, and uh, uh, turn it over to Actually sitting in an apartment, like uh, they got me living pretty cushy. What? I'm living in an apartment in a rehab. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Well, that's good. So you're living cushy, but you know you're still in their clutches. But, uh, <laughs> so we haven't been able to do a show. We haven't been able to do a podcast in the past month or so. Yeah, to our viewers, whoever you are, the reason why we haven't done a podcast in a while is because Kyle is blind and he can't really record a podcast. And like, I was in a drug rehab for thirty-five days. Yeah, so that's basically why we haven't been had a hiatus for so long. But we're glad that you guys have gotten a hold to the Rebel, well, the Rebel podcast. But yes, the last podcast we were talking about the uh, uh, legalization of marijuana initiative that's in the, uh, the federal legalization of marijuana uh, initiative that's in Congress in the House of Representatives, the MORE Act, uh, which now I have the bill, I already had the bill number, I think, let, let me double check all that, but I, I want to give out the uh, capital or congressional switchboard number. And maybe we should try to see if we can look for if there's a way to email the the uh, uh, U.S. Half House of Representatives. Uh, yeah, let's uh, check out what happened on that vote. Well, did we find anything about what it? Did they even do the vote yet? That's what I've, I haven't heard anything on the news about the vote or anything. And I tried to call my friends from the uh, uh, head movement about it, and they didn't call me back. So, uh, I don't know if anything's happened on the bill or not at this point. I don't know if there's a way to, to see what the status of the bill is through looking at Congress or uh, a way to check that out. But uh, if they haven't voted on it, which I'm assuming they haven't, or else you think we would have heard something about it on the news somewhere or something. Or maybe not, because that's an issue they don't really want to cover if 
sound like they voted for it to be legalized. Okay, did they say they voted against it? Let's see what we got. It says House will vote on the legalization of the for the first time bills future and Senate uncertain. And that's USA Today. Okay, it said it said it would vote when what? Uh, controlled House vote will legalize on. Legalizing marijuana at the federal level for the first time in the chamber's history later on this month. I heard of the Democrats and advocates for celebrating as Congress grapples with a host of pressing issues with the November election. Okay, let me me get the number, though, at least for Capitol's congressional switchboard. Okay, wait, uh, and then, again, for people, if you didn't hear the the thing last week, uh, let me find the... The bill number, at least. It's the Moore Act. Yeah, that's it. it. Let me see if I could look directly for the Moore Act. It's S-2227, I believe. Let me wait. Yeah, S-2227. And it's uh, the Moore Act of 2019. And it's uh, looking... Looking for the congressional switchboard number. It's two zero two 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 four three one two one. That's uh two zero seven again. This is actually the congress.gov website. It's 202-224-3121. And then, I don't know if there's a way to email House of... I mean, I know there's definitely a way to email, but I don't know what the email address is. Uh, I don't know if there's a way to find that out. uh, With the Congress... With the House of Representatives... U.S. House of Representatives email addresses where you can find out where, where... how to get in touch with your, your uh, representative. 
uh, I call my my representative uh, Karen Bass, but uh, we'll see uh, what goes on there. It doesn't say whether they voted on it or not. Yeah, I don't know. The USA Today article. When was that written? It was written last month. Okay, that's last month, though. So, yeah, this month we haven't heard anything about it. No, there's no news. Okay. Well, I'd say, you know, run your Congress people. That's, like, one of the, the main reasons why, why I'm interested in doing this show is to get people to, uh, to try and push uh, getting people to uh, get in touch with their Congress people. And, and oh, September 17th. Uh, this is from activism. It says, uh, justice delayed is justice denied. More act votes postponed three weeks ago. Oh, shit. How, how far is it postponed? So that's what happened. Okay, we're, we're, we're being denied a change for the better. <laughs> It says that the MORAG will not take place next week as we anticipated. As of right now, we have received a commitment that a vote will be held this year, but we know that this promise provides little solace at the moment. But we do know this. This delay does not change the fact that the overwhelming majority of voters support ending the federal prohibition of cannabis, including majorities of Democrats, Independents, and Republicans. This delay does not change the fact that 33 states and the District of Columbia regulate the production and distribution of medical cannabis in a manner that is inconsistent with federal policy, and that one out of four Americans now reside in jurisdictions where adult use is legal under state law. So, yeah, they've just pushed it back. Yeah, so they pushed it back, but I'd say keep, uh, if you can, bug your, uh, your representative and tell them that you're in favor of uh, the uh, law, if you're in favor of it. <laughs> yeah. Which I'm sure if you're listening to this, you're probably in favor of it. <laughs> yep, you're probably, you're probably a rebel like me and Kyle. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so uh, we should probably look at the debate between... Uh, Pence and uh, Kamala Harris, uh, when the debate was happening, I was uh, probably eating and having phone sex with a woman and waiting for or waiting to call her back and then falling asleep and then calling her back too late, but, uh, <laughs> so I, I don't really even know what happened at the debate. We're, trying, we're collectively trying to find out what happened at the debate. <laughs> Okay, I'll look for a summarization. Okay. Yeah, my buddy, uh, Romer, like Justin Romer, he was listening to us for a few minutes. Ah. Let me see, Mike Pence. Harris debate. Let me see. NPR, you want to see it from NPR? It'll work. Uh, 
Eric. They're, they're actually, they're actually, like, when, in certain issues, they're trustworthy, you know, like, actually, as far as a news source, they're probably uh, a pretty trust source, trustworthy source to look for news articles, really, for the show. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, not, you know, trustworthy on every issue, like, when it comes to coronavirus coverage, they're very, not very trustworthy, but when it comes to police brutality coverage and other coverage, uh, they're pretty trustworthy. But, you know, it depends on what the issue is and whether they're trustworthy source of news. But, yeah. Uh, it says four takeaways from the Mike Pence Kamala Harris vice presidential debate. After a raucous debate between President Trump and former Vice President Joe Biden last week that was marked by constant interruptions, name calling, and a moderator unable to control the discussion, Wednesday night's vice presidential debate marked a return to a more traditional affair. It's unclear whether it will be the last debate of the 2020 presidential campaign. Trump, who is recovering at the White House and sidelines, at least for the moment, from the campaign trail, being hospitalized with COVID-19, said Thursday he's not going to do a virtual debate after the independent commission that runs the debates announced that the second presidential debate, which has been scheduled for October 15th in Miami, will now be virtual. Trump called the format a waste of time, adding he had no advance notice of the change. While most voters don't base their decision on the vice presidential candidates, 2020's contest is possibly different. Biden is 77 and his, has presented himself as transitional figure to the Democratic Party's Nash, next generation, and the president is 74 and has contracted a serious illness. The vice presidential debate wasn't likely to change many voters' minds or shift the trajectory of the race, but it showed sharp contrast between the two parties' agendas for the economy, health care, and more. Here are four takeaways from the vice presidential debate between Vice President Pace and Senator Kamala Harris. One, 2020 election still hinges on the coronavirus. From the outset, the debate... Spectators were warned not to remove their masks. The candidates sat at desks more than 12 feet apart and separated by plexiglass shields. It was also the first topic. Uh, okay, well, that's... In, in that issue, I, I really think the way Trump's handling it is better than the way uh, Joseph Biden's handling it, uh, but... Uh, you know, in, unfortunately, that makes me, I don't know, like, uh, I don't know how I, I don't know, that's, if, if that's what the election hinges on, then, I don't know, that might make Trump win, depending, you know, on, for those of us that don't want these changes for the worst, that Gavin Newsom and uh, the other Democrats have pretty much uh, pushed on us, uh, it's, I don't know, it's, uh, and then they, and uh, since the last time we talked, the president has coronavirus. Yeah, that's and, true. Uh, the, the way the Democrats covered it, really, or the way the news that I saw covered it was like an, an ad for why we should accept having our freedom taken away, and and it was a bunch of self-righteous people going, he was immoral because he spread the disease and blah, 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 and we're so... 
we're so moral and perfect and blah, blah, blah. It's just like, God, it was just so self-righteous. And, and uh, just, uh, it reminded me of the Christian fundamentalists in the 80s and the way they talked about stuff. And it's just uh, sad to see the Democrats becoming like the fundamentalist Christians. Yeah, I think and, they're and, like going overboard with the plexiglass. Like separating, well, no, that, and, and that was by uh, Kamala Harris's request because I guess she's really a heavy germaphobe. She was really afraid that Pence was going to give her the uh, the virus and then made this a huge. Thing. I'm not going to go to the debate unless there's plastic plexiglass and I'm this many feet away from Pence and blah 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 blah. And she was like, "Oh God!" <laughs> and uh, so that, that's uh, pretty freaky. But okay. <laughs> uh, let's continue. Harris seized on the Democratic ticket's central argument that Trump administration's handling of the novel coronavirus was the greatest failure of any presidential administration in the history of our country. She accused the president of covering up information about the virus when he was briefed in January by his national security team, and she argued that Trump still didn't have a plan to combat the disease. Pence defended the president's record and pointed to Trump's decision to restrict travel from China at the end of January as evidence that he took the threat seriously. He noted that Biden-Harris team's plan to address the coronavirus with testing and development of vaccine mirrored actions the administration has already taken. It looks a little bit like plagiarism, Pence said. He also attempted to portray Harris' criticism of the administration's response as an attack on sacrifices Americans have made during the crisis, an answer that seemed to fall flat. Throughout okay, I don't think it fell flat. You see, this is why I don't trust the coverage when they say that, because it's like, that's, you know, it fell flat. That sounds, you know, that's more opinion. Like, you don't know whether, you know, people, people that see him as just someone who's not, pushing fear and uh, when it comes to this and is not pushing taking away our freedom in the name of science and morality uh, would uh, I don't think he fell flat to, to those people but uh, yeah, I think he did a good job like uh, limiting the uh, like tra the travel from China to America like if he did that in yeah, January, yeah. he reacted really quickly. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's continue. Throughout the debate, whether the question was about the economy or health care, Harris returned to the administration's response to the pandemic. Pence, in turn, touted, that, touted what he called record-setting progress on developing a vaccine and pledged, as the president has before, that millions of doses would be available by the end of the year. Harris said she would take a vaccine approved by medical professionals, but if Donald Trump tells us what we should take it, well, tells us that we should take it, I'm not taking it. Shit, what's your take on that? Wait, who said they're not taking it? Kamala Harris said, if Donald Trump tells us that we should take it, I'm not taking it. Okay. I mean, I kind of, just to me, anybody that's telling you you should inject something in you, just remember that AIDS came from the smallpox, 
smallpox vaccine in Africa and the uh, hepatitis C vaccine in San Francisco. And, oh, uh, anything about think, that, folks. Kyle Chaos is giving us a history lesson. And uh, it's like, uh, I just see the, the, this is more biological warfare where they, they, the virus itself was biological warfare and the vaccine itself, I think, is another pushing of bio- biological warfare in the same way that pushing a lot of these vaccines, like the flu vaccine they keep trying to get everybody to uh, put in their butt, is uh, more biological warfare. <laughs> yeah. So you got to pick whether you want an anal probe vaccination or one that's in the arm. <laughs> I think most people choose the arm over the anus, but, uh, you know, unless, unless they're like, in, oh, yeah, give me the anal probe. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just a little bit of inpro- inappropriate commentary as you've come to be associated with Kyle Chaos and Aaron Order. But to continue covering, Pence said Harris was seeking to undermine public confidence in the effort to develop and improve a vaccine. Stop, paying, stop playing politics with people's lives, he said. There was an actual debate this time, but not necessarily answers to the moderator's questions. There was far less interrupting, angry crosstalk, and fewer personal attacks than in the presidential debate. Moderator Susan Page, Washington Bureau Chief of USA Today, called for a respectful exchange and regularly reminded the candidates that answers should not be interrupted. Pence and Harris didn't always comply, and Harris pushed back, calling out Pence when he started to step on her answers or take away from her time. She retorted, Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking, I'm speaking making it clear she wasn't going to let a male debate opponent get away with any intimidation tactics. Okay, and I, I, mean, I don't know, like, unfortunately, unless we could hear the tone of her voice, we don't know, but I keep thinking back of the debate, the governor debate, the gubernatorial debate in California, where they actually had every single candidate there, and one of the candidates was, uh, Oh, what's the woman's name? Arianna Huffington. And the other, and one of the others was Peter Camejo, the Green Party candidate. And they were both pushing a lot of similar points, but, like, when Peter Camejo pushed it, he wasn't, he seemed to be pushing it in a, I don't know, a, weak, a less whiny kind of tone. And I remember Arianna Huffington going, let me finish, let me finish. And, and, but the way she did it, she just sounded really, really bitchy and barky and, I don't know, like, not very respectful than trying to push her ideas when I remember here in the debate. And uh, so I don't know, like, if, if Kamala Harris' tone of voice was more of a bitchy tone of voice or whether it was, you know, more of a respectful tone of voice. So I, I Whenever you hear like a, a candidate go, Do you let me finish, let me finish. It all depends to me on the tone of voice they're using. When they're saying let me finish, which if you don't have the tone of voice, it's like impossible to see whether, uh, or it's harder for me to tell whether it's like Pence was really trying to interrupt so much or whether it was like, 
she was never finished like the way I felt with Ariana Huffington during the uh, gubernatorial debate. Like, she kept never being able to finish and just like she went on and on and on and would never stop. <laughs> it was uh, so nervous. Alright, keep going. I'll just blow my nose. Yeah, that's what she said. Like, when she said, like, uh, let me finish, you know. That's what she said. Yeah, because you could picture her trying to orgasm and telling her boyfriend, let me finish, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. No, that, uh, you know, that, uh, when, when a woman's saying that, at that point in time, then you want to let her finish if you can. Yeah, that would just be gentlemen. Alright, to continue, both candidates frequently sidestep questions altogether. The moderator chose to move on to new topics rather than pose follow-up questions, which was a lost opportunity on some key issues that could have made news or at least educated voters about the candidates' positions. Both ignored a new question, well, a key question that would be top of mind with Biden's age and the president's illness. What would you do if the president became incapacitated? Pence didn't answer. Okay. Yeah, Pence didn't answer how a Trump-Pence administration would project pre-existing conditions if the Affordable Care Act is struck down by the Supreme Court. He also didn't explain what he would do if the president didn't accept the election results or agree to a peaceful transition of power. Harris refused to answer a question posed by both the moderator and again by Pence about whether she backed what many liberal activists were pushing. Adding justices to the Supreme Court court packing, Biden dodged the same question in the first debate. Pence also evaded a question about what they thought states should do if the Supreme Court struck down Roe v. Wade, which would lead the states to right abortion laws. Like, this is one ad that I hear for one thing that I, I heard uh, on a talk show host a couple days ago uh, from a, a Democrat and uh, he's, like, really thinking there's a heavy difference between the Democrats and the Republicans because of uh, Roe v. Wade and uh, gay marriage. And I still don't think no matter who becomes president, like, even if uh, like, if Donald Trump wins, I don't think Roe versus Wade or gay marriage is going to be overturned. They might do kind of what they, they push more what they're doing in, in Alabama and try and limit, limit it in certain states, which would be really, you know, screwed up in my mind. But I seriously doubt that the uh, Supreme Court is going to knock down either Roe versus Wade or uh, the Gay Marriage Act, as much as there are two Supreme Court justices that are saying they want to knock it down. But it's just, the corporations like uh, abortion and gay marriage too much. I mean, gay people are too much of a part of, uh, of uh, the corporate world right now and are making the corporations too much money. So I just don't think the corporations are going to let gay marriage stop and I don't really think the corporations are going to 
let uh, abortion stop because again, the less people on the planet, and unfortunately, through and I hate to say because I'm I'm pro I'm pro abortion, but yeah, the anti-abortion side doesn't have a point that, you know, it's not enough of a point for me to say that they should make abortion illegal, but... Well, I think that abortion should be legal in cases of rape and incest. Like, that would be more aligned with my true Christian, like, viewpoint on abortion. But it's like, the people that are against abortion have a point uh, as far as that abortion really does help the corporations. If they want less poor children to be alive, that helps the corporations. As much as, you know, I don't, you know, I think anybody should be able to get an abortion if they want to. You know, I just think anybody should be able to kill a live human baby if they want to. But, you know, it's like, uh, but the corporations just aren't going to, go against that because it helps the corporations. Yeah, and I think that both of them would go with whatever the corporations want. Yeah, exactly. Alright, but let's uh, continue. Let me see. Yeah. Point three, candidate strategies reflected the state of the campaign. Pence attacked Biden-Harris as extreme. Harris pivoted to Trump's record on the coronavirus. Pence's debate style is almost polar opposite of the president's. He was calm and disciplined and came prepared to paint the Biden-Harris ticket as captive to the extreme left of the Democratic Party, specifically on economic issues. The economy has okay, consistently well, been the GOP's ticket's strongest issue with voters, but that strength has declined as the country struggles with job losses, business closures. The vice president cited an analysis that Harris in 2019 was the U.S. Senate's most liberal member, and he repeatedly linked the Democratic ticket with the Green New Deal, a proposal pushed by progressives in Congress to remake the economy with a new energy infrastructure. Although Harris backed the proposal prior to her nomination, Biden has not. Okay, I mean, I, I personally, like, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not for the Green New Deal, but most of the parts of the Green New Deal are good. I'm for most of it. I'm for changing the, in, the energy infrastructure. Like, that part of it makes sense, but there's a few parts of the Green New Deal that are just too extreme to me. Most of it's good, though. But there's just a few parts, like when they're telling people nobody should be able to have a car and that nobody should be able to get into certain towns uh, to drive to certain cities or, or that uh, everybody should be forced to uh, become vegans and, and uh, things like that. That's, uh, that's a bit too extreme. But most of, most of the Green New Deal was good. But there's just parts of it that are just so extreme that uh, it doesn't uh, make sense. Like we need, to, like I keep saying, we need to do more than what the uh, uh, mainstream Democrats want to do to to save the planet. But we need to do not as much as say what Casio Cortez and and those people want us to do, which is just 
a bit too extreme. But uh, and then the other, the other, there was some other issue you were just talking about in the thing besides bringing a deal. The, the oh, the economy. Yeah. I kind of doubt what Pence says about the radical left is pushing something having to do with the economy. Because most of the things that the, the Democrats want to do with the economy are the things that Democrats always like. The Democrats have always been good at getting us good handouts. You know, as far as that's a strong point for the Democrats is that the they've been trying to push for us to get better handouts in the face of this coronavirus. And that's going to make people on the street win. But then in order to get those handouts, there's probably a string attached that might not make it worth it. But still, it's like that's where the Democrats are strong is that they're going to give us more handouts and not make us starve and take away our Social Security. But... Uh, the, the strings attached to it is all the changes for the worst that have happened that they've implemented because of coronavirus in order to get those handouts. So it's, and in order to push that we need the handouts and, uh, also, but uh, I don't know, the Democrats' strong point is they'll give us the handouts, but the negative point for the, the uh, weak point for the Democrats is all the changes for the worst that they put together in taking away our freedom at because of coronavirus. So, that happens the way I see it at this point. Yeah, I take more of the uh, Republican view on the economy. Like, I think you have to feed the rich, like, uh, and make them gluttonous in order to have a trickle-down effect with the economy to help out the rest of us. See, I, I don't really believe that trickle-down effect is really there. I mean, the main thing that the Republicans are good at, like, in certain ways, they're good about the economy. Because that is one of the Republicans' strong points, is that they're trying to lower everybody's taxes. But in, in some ways, Republicans have been good at that, because at least in Republican states, uh, the rents are, a little, are lower, and uh, it's, you know, certain things, the... the the prices are lower, but there's also the bad part of it, which is that people don't have that good wages in those states, and I don't think the trickle-down effect is really going to happen in general for most people. Yeah, but I like how basically during Trump's presidency, not per se that the wages went up, but there were just more jobs available for the everyday taxpayer. Before the coronavirus. Because I know, like, me personally as a black man, like, I have never had more jobs under any presidency, which I've only been working for the Obama years and the Trump years. Like, I've gotten more jobs under Trump than I ever did under Barack Obama. Alright, let's uh, continue. Pence also asserted that Biden's vow to roll back the president's 2017 tax cuts would translate into tax increases on Americans as soon as he took office. Though, in fact, that would take an act of Congress. Harris appeared in the crowded Democratic primary debates, but she has had less experience on the debate stage one-on-one. -on -one. 
She leaned on her skills as a prosecutor and came with a mission to hammer the case against Trump's handling of the pandemic and the fallout for the economy. She made Pence Trump stand in on the subject. Yeah. And so several, say that again. She made Pence Trump stand in on the subject. Um, uh, which subject? Uh, the economy in the pandemic. Oh, okay, okay. So basically, she was blaming Pence for what Trump did. Okay, um, I don't know. I, mean, I think the government really shut down the economy, and that's why we're in these problems, but. You know, and, and, and their solution is in, because they shut down the economy, we should get better better handouts, which as long as the economy is shut down, we probably need it, and as long as people are going through these problems, we probably need it, but still, things shouldn't have been shut down in the first place, and that's probably what it's, what's caused most of these uh, problems. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I think if the like um, the coronavirus hadn't happened, I think the economy would have still been booming. Yeah, I think so too. All right, to continue, in several exchanges, Harris sidestepped directly answering questions from the moderator, and instead shifted to the conversation. Well, shifted the conversation to Trump. She used a question about the Breonna Taylor case in Kentucky to remind the audience of one stunning moment in Biden-Trump debate when the president declined to denounce white supremacists. Well, no, he declined to denounce the Proud Boys. <laughs> and that, I mean, that's what I thought Trump was refusing to denounce was the Proud Boys, because there's no proof that, at least as far as I haven't found or heard any proof that they're racist. Yeah, let me do some quick research on the Proud Boys. Yeah, because I'm trying to figure out what is the proof that they're trying to say that's the proof that the Pride Boys, that the Proud Boys are racist. All right, and this is Southern Poverty Law Center covering this. Okay. This was back in 2016. Okay, this when they first started. I got all my cousins from the Proud Boys. Was, I mean, pretty much I haven't heard anything much about the Proud Boys except for when I was living in Seattle. And I was... Like a little campy group that was against political correctness. 
from what I saw, but uh, that's really the only thing that I know about the Proud Boys. <laughs> All right, here's what um, the Southern Poverty Law Center says. Is that uh, established in the midst of the 2016 presidential election by Vice Media co-founder Gavin McGinnis. The Proud Boys are self-described Western chauvinists who adamantly deny any connection to the racist alt-right, insisting they are simply a fraternal group spreading an anti-political correctness and anti-white guilt agenda. Okay. So, so like, where's okay the that they're racist? Yeah, it doesn't sound like they're racist at all. Yeah. So, fuck Kamala Harris on that topic. But I think, unless somebody can give us the absolute proof that the group itself is racist, then, you know, I, I just don't believe they're racist. Yeah, me either. And I'm not going to cover the fly on Pence's head. Like, that's just stupid. Yeah, no, that's stupid, too. The little fly, the little fly wanted to, to tell Pence to shut up. Did Pence kill the little fly? Did the little fly survive? No, okay, stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the end of the, like, besides, like, this fly, like, that was the end of the article about the, like, uh, debate. Okay, okay, so... It, it sounds like pretty much the same... Similar issues, you know, it's kind of like the, the, the difference between, you know, the Democrats wanting to take our freedom away in one hand and, 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 and the, but the Democrats giving us a good handout in return for taking away our freedom after the fact that the economy has been screwed up and all that, which now we need because the economy has been so screwed up and the Republicans refusing to let that happen and maybe making a bunch of people starve, uh, because they wouldn't uh, make the deal on it, but uh, I don't know. Huh. Well, here's a breaking story from CNBC that popped up. and uh, says, Trump raises coronavirus stimulus offer to $1.8 trillion, then says he wants bigger bill than Dems or the GOP. Okay. Well, what's the, I wonder what the details on that is. Uh, key points. The White House will increase its coronavirus stimulus offer to $1.8 trillion, about $400 billion less than the $2.2 trillion bill the Democrats previously passed. Hmm. Okay. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin plan to talk again Friday as they try to strike a pain relief agreement. Okay. To pass a bill before the election to boost a re- reeling economy and healthcare system, the sides would have to both come to an agreement and get the support of the Republican-held Senate. Okay. Yeah, so that's basically all there is on Okay, so we we still don't really know what the deal, what the details of what Trump wants to do, or the details of what the Democrats want to do is. Uh, 
Well, they're trying to basically make the stimulus package smaller than what the Democrats passed. Okay. I don't know if that's good or not in the case of what we're dealing with now, now that the economy is being shut down so heavy. Yeah, exactly. It says the plan will mark an increase from the $1.6 trillion the Trump administration previously proposed. Okay. Right, so basically, I think, you know, Trump's being a cheapskate. Yeah, well, that, that's probably... This, the, the handouts are going to make the Democrats look good. But again, it's like the strings attached are accepting the loss of freedom that we have in order to get the handout. So that's where it's uh, really screwed up that we've lost so much freedom now. And then Trump, like, uh, was basically bitching about... Uh, Nancy Pelosi's 25th Amendment move says her real target is Sleepy Joe. The 25th Amendment move. What's the... What's the 25th Amendment move to... The 25th was, what, the voting rights act? Uh, oh... I guess it's um, fitness, like mental fitness for office. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that's, I don't know if that's that heavy. So they're like trying to figure out who, whether Biden or, or Trump are mentally fit for office or something? Yeah, apparently uh, it says on the Fox News article, Trump, who is recovering from coronavirus, took to Twitter immediately after Pelosi's announcement that Congress is considering legislation on how to remove a president from office and accused her of actually targeting Joe Biden uh, should he win in November. But Nancy Pelosi is someone that they also at one point said wasn't fit for office, like around some point after Trump got in office. Yeah, he also said that. But, like, I skipped that part. Okay. Yeah, so that's an interesting little tip for Tat. Kind of. I'm still trying to figure out what is she trying to do, like. And it says for the New York Times 2020 election live updates, kept home from by the coronavirus, Trump plans rally for hundreds outside White House. Okay. So he's not letting the coronavirus slow him down. No, no, that's, that's the one good thing about him. Like, I, I remember the Democrats were saying, because I guess they shot him up on a bunch of steroids, that uh, once or one of the doctors said once the steroids were off, then he might not, not be as healthy or not feel as awake. So maybe it's like Trump's on tweak right now. And, she, and maybe like anybody who has the coronavirus should do a lot of meth or cocaine, and uh, they might feel a lot better. I don't know. 
One of my roommates liked that comment. <laughs> uh, just to warn you, I'm recording a podcast right now. So. Uh, he ain't sweating. Okay, yeah. uh, check this out, Kyle. Like a diabetes drug has been recalled because it contains high levels of cancer-causing agents. Hey, what's, what, what has cancer-causing agents? A diabetes drug. Okay, well, that's still, you know, if it has cancer-causing agents, you probably don't want to have that, that drug on the market. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It says, recalling metformin hydrochloride extended release tablets because their levels of NDMA a probable human carcinogen were higher than the acceptable daily intake limit of 96 nanograms per day. Okay, N as in Nancy DMA? Yeah, NDMA. Okay, the test is really, that's, that's the original name for ecstasy was MDMA. <laughs> the, the MDMA, I think was what it was. <laughs> yeah, so they said you're allowed to have a little bit of cancer causing, you know, like uh, NDMA, but you're not allowed to have a lot. You gotta have some to fill with the Hmm. Hmm. Mm. Mm, let's see. Well, Southwest captain forced to lend his shirt to passenger with lewd top. Well, that's super Nazi. What? A Southwest captain forced to lend his t-shirt to passenger with lewd top. Lewd top? Oh, okay. Yeah, no, that's pretty, that's pretty lame. Yeah, a Southwest airline passenger said she was prevented from boarding her flight because her breasts were deemed lewd, obscene, and offensive. Oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, that was from the New yeah. York Post. I say if she wants to show her tits, man, let her let her go free and wild, man. Yeah, no, that ain't wanna fly on the plane, but you know, I guess the uh like you're not sure which group is more because cause now the Christians and the feminists are angry about the same stuff or the Christians are true. We were on the side of the feminists before everybody else was when it comes to all this stuff, and the feminists are becoming more like uh, religious fundamentalists. So. Yeah, she was a hot ass black chick. Like she just looked like she was dressed to go to the club. Yeah, yeah. Damn, that sucks. Yeah, but I'm looking at the picture of her original outfit, and I I approve. <laughs> hey. I wish I could see it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't know with that. Yep. And what was your name again? I'm Bruce. Bruce. Yeah. What's your name? Bruce. Like Bruce. Oh, like Bruce Wayne. Wayne's my little name. Oh, right on, right on. <laughs> nice. This is Bruce Wayne. What are you? Chris Lee. Chris Lee. Right on. That's a badass okay. name. Bruce Wayne or Bruce Lee? Which one do you want to use for your for the talk show? <laughs> <laughs> you call me Wayne. 
Yeah. Okay, Bruce Wayne. That sounds good. We like it. Yeah, that's actually my dad's first name, too. Right now. Yes, uh, I keep thinking of the Monty Python, uh, there's a Monty Python bit with Australian people, and all the Australians are, like, calling each other Bruce because that's what Australians do. Hey, my name's Alex. Well, we'll call you Bruce. That'll make it easier for us. All right, Bruce. Oh, Bruce. This is Bruce here. Here's Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. And this is weird. CNBC. Kevin O'Leary on stimulus. We don't need the $1,200 checks. Here's what would help more. Okay, who's the dude saying this? Kevin O'Leary. Okay, he's from CSNBC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. he says fuck him. <laughs> well, I don't know. See, I don't know. In general, I... I think CSNBC has had some good news people in general, uh, so I don't know. Okay, I wonder what his opinion, like, okay, how, what's his opinion based on? Oh, he's an investor on Shark Tank. Oh, okay. So this is just some investor dude. Okay. Well, okay, so what's his reasoning? He said, I'd like to see a 400 a week support for the next 14 months for anybody that's unemployed. Okay. Oh, I'd take that. Yep. Well, we are. <laughs> That'd be sweet. Fucking like, that's $1,600 a month. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fuck the stimulus check. Give me four hundred a week. <laughs> For... Hell yeah. Okay. Right up. Okay. okay. So sounds like a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> It'll make us win. At least for a while. Yeah, he Maybe sounds like a <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, fuck Trump. Kevin O'Leary for president. Oh, okay. Thank you, man. I'm trying to see what else is going Sweet, Vermont allows uh, marijuana legalization. Oh, cool. Hey. So now we got to do that kind of stuff. Vermont, I think Vermont's a state with, uh, or no, New Hampshire's a state with all the libertarians. Vermont, another state that it has at least a few more cool, good politicians in it. Wow, Ohio County from, this is from Politico, Ohio County says nearly 50,000 voters received wrong ballots. Okay. Yeah, so that might be a reason why that uh, 
mail-in voting shouldn't be allowed. Okay, well, I don't know. I mean, actually, I think mail-in voting probably is a good thing because uh, there was a story a couple days ago that because of mail-in voting, we've had the highest level of voter turnout since uh, 1908. So I think the mail-in voting is really helping us more than it's, than it's uh, messing us up. That's what nobody has to go anywhere. What do you say? That's what nobody has to go anywhere. Nobody has to go where? Nobody has to go anywhere. Even the elderly can vote faster, can vote better that way. Yeah, yeah, and that's, I personally like going there because I just feel like my vote is I feel better dropping it into the ballot box rather than mailing it somewhere and not knowing if my mail will be stopped because I remember the one time when I wrote a letter to the Department of Consumer Affairs and they, I mailed the letter and they never got the letter that I mailed until after I mailed the second letter and then all of a sudden they mysteriously got the other letter that I mailed the day that I went to the hearing of the Department of Consumer Affairs. To go to do my arbitration, and it's like that whole time. It's like my first letter they didn't get, so I had to write the letter again, and then they finally mysteriously got both letters when I got there. There he had the other letter. They just pushed it off to the side so you can go write another one. Right on. Yeah, no, it's just, it's frustrating. So. I'd rather, I'd rather send my, my vote in personally myself. I mean, also just because I always, always don't know how I'm going to vote until the last day I do it anyway. Brill Institute, I guess they're supposed to send me my voter information soon, but when I first called Brill Institute, their message made it seem like they weren't going to send us anything. And uh, then I got a call from them, and that they are, but I'm still wondering if I'm going to get my stuff in time. And how much stuff is not going to be in the in the uh, voter information stuff? So it's like I still feel like I'm going to be probably very uninformed when I try to vote about a lot of stuff. But uh, I'm hoping I can get as much information as I can. Yeah, like I'm definitely going to vote in person this time. Yeah, no, that's what I'm doing too. But hold on, let me end this episode because we're coming up on the sixty minute mark. Okay. Yeah, we'll be able yeah, to restart that. again and cover some more news stories. Okay, sounds cool. All right.